1: As Las Vegas prepares to reopen to the world, it's not hard to remember it as the entertainment capital of the world. With celebrity chefs and world-class restaurants here as well, it's also easy to think of it as a major dining capital. And what complements food better than wine? My guest is award-winning international wine and food writer Marissa Fanetti, who is based in Las Vegas and writes for Las Vegas regional and international publications, as well as her own website, MarisaFinetti.com, And you can follow her on Instagram at Marisa Finetti, Facebook at by Marisa and Twitter at Marisa Finetti. And boy, I'm exhausted just saying your name. Marisa, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Ira. Thanks so much for having me. I know it's exhausting, but you've got to keep saying the name over to get people to recognize you.
1: Exactly right. And with all your platforms, they'll definitely find you. I was intrigued by your background because even though you were a Zinfandel farmer in the California wine country, you really did not start writing about wine until you moved to Las Vegas. So tell us the background on that. Why that happened?
0: Yeah, sure. Yes, you're right. I was a Zinfandel farmer for 10 years, actually. It was my family's estate in Dry Creek Valley, and I really did everything from you know pruning and you know really just taking care of this vineyard, and then we sold grapes to a local winery, but You know, with a journalism degree and everything, I still didn't, wasn't really writing about wine then. I actually wasn't writing at all. Um, I was completely in a different field. I was in public relations. I mean, it's sort of related, but then when I moved to Las Vegas, I really thought that I was just completely out of the wine industry. In fact, it really just propelled me more into it. In fact, I just fell in love with it all over again. It was because I met some really great people in this town. I have to always credit the sommeliers that have always shown me a different wines, introduced me different varieties. And it's those individuals like Kirk Peterson, whom you probably know. He's a mentor and he's one of the very few people that just really introduced me to the beauty of wine. And it, it happened here in Las Vegas, in one of our great dining rooms. And I've just been hooked ever since.
1: Now let's mention that Kirk's been on the show about three or four times over the years as well. Always a yeah. fascinating guy.
0: He is a fascinating guy, and he's helped me a lot. And you know, with people like him and all the great sommeliers out there, who are really, really passionate about wine, and you know what they're always looking for is to to have someone like me to be able to listen and taste and really be inquisitive about wines. I think it makes sommeliers' jobs much more pleasant, and they they love to be able to share those kinds of things with their customers. And so I just happen to be one of them, and. It just turned into this eternal love for
1: wine. <laughs> well, also, too, uh, I should point out that you weren't writing and aren't writing exclusively about wine because you covered a lot of other areas for a, diff- a lot of different publications here, both in Las Vegas and, and around the country.
0: Yes, I did. I actually, so I was a journalism major and I didn't really start writing until about 15 years ago. So that, again, is, happened when I came to Las Vegas. But yes, I wrote about fashion and I wrote about entertainment. I had a weekly articles that appeared in Las Vegas Magazine, and if you go back even further back, Las Vegas Life was a monthly glossy that I used to write for as well. And I've written for Southwest Airlines Magazine. You know, various various topics, lifestyle topics about people and about fashion, and and we've had you know I've had many times opportunities to write about food and wine or our dining scene in Las Vegas but you know back then my kids were younger and really I wasn't really ready to go out and go out every night and taste food and do do what it takes to really be in the heart of the dining scene in Las Vegas and so I stuck to the things that I could do during the day which was fashion and um, entertainment I did some of that of course that spent you know many times that you know in a cabaret or somewhere just watching a show and whatever. And those are great, but it really is the wine and the food that has really, it's where my love is. So I'm really enjoying it.
1: And full disclosure, and you mentioned Las Vegas Life magazine, you also wrote a story about me and the show at that point as well. So there you go. It's coming full circle. I did. We go way back, I right? We do. We do. But you always look eternally young and I just keep getting more and more in the tooth, long in the tooth oh, as they say. Stop. Stop. <laughs> so as you're as you're writing about wine and you're meeting these interesting people, not only sommeliers, but also you're meeting winery owners and growers and interesting people that are involved in the wine industry. So you're knowledge developed and expanded, and you now are taking trips, and you're going to Italy, and you're going back to the California wine country as well. And you mentioned that when you were the Zinfandel farmer, and you mentioned Dry Creek, where exactly is that located? For those of our listeners who may not know.
0: Okay, so Dry Creek is, well, most, many of our listeners might know of Healdsburg, which is a wine country, a town about an hour and a half north of Los, of San Francisco, and Geyserville is a town just about 15 minutes north of Healdsburg. And then the Dry Creek Valley is west of Healdsburg, the town. And it's just a beautiful spot. And, you know, it's really known for its Zinfandel. And that's what we grew. Our neighbors were all growing it. So we're like, well, let's just pick a grape. And it's like, yeah, we'll do Zinfandel like everybody else.
1: (laughs) Have you ever done a return visit uh, sort of Coming home again in that sense and telling them about your current career, which is writing about wine in Las Vegas?
0: I have, actually. I was just there just before our shutdown, and I was there for a weekend, and really, I was there for work. I interviewed a couple of different producers, wine producers there. They actually happen to be wine producers that specialize in Italian grapes in California. So That was really interesting yeah it's 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 different to go back there now. I think maybe at the time when I was there, I didn't really realize how wonderful it was and now, when I go back to visit these you know the beautiful landscape and to taste their wines, it's just it's just very very enjoyable for me, much more enjoyable than when it when I was there you know after all I was a farmer, so I had like you know blisters on my hands and water in my boots on rainy days. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like it's different when you go back and you fly in and you talk to people. And yeah, you're drinking a lot of great wine and eating great food with these wonderful people.
1: And now you do it with your nails done as opposed to having uh, blisters on your fingers.
0: Right. Yeah. Whole different different
1: world. Yes. (laughs) Now, how do you decide to get your stories and put them together? And the reason I'm asking the question is you obviously do writing assignments, but you also are writing for your website, which I would recommend people check out, which has your blog and a lot of interesting material about wine. And I also want to talk a little bit about the wine doodles in a moment too, but how does that work out from your work experience? Is it half and half, half our assignments by particular publications and the other half you decide to do for your website?
0: Yeah, that's an interesting question. It's a lot of the above. A lot of the, as a freelance writer, my job is really to pitch stories continuously to these publications and not everybody is interested in the ones that I, I'm interested in writing. But um, when I am fortunate to have somebody take a look at a specific story that I'm trying to pitch, then yeah, I'll go ahead and write that story. Usually my stories are inspired by these trips to the various places that I go to. Italy is particularly an area that I visit. What have been visiting quite often and I usually go with the intention to write the story whether or not I have the story sold or not I'm there to learn and taste the wines with them and discover their passion for their land and usually every single one of them have fantastic stories that I want to tell so yeah I do you know every magazine has different requirements right I mean there's some magazines that are more interested in travel wine travel pieces, whereas others are more like um, get to know a little bit more about a specific variety. And so I'm very targeted with my pitches. And then the, the other things that I talk about that maybe not necessarily have gotten into a publication, I'll definitely put on my website, which I feel that has maybe some of, you know, some really good stories that I wish some of the publications have purchased because they're a little bit You know, more of a personal take on a visit. And so they're all very interesting. I love to interview wine producers and and their families and walk the vineyards and um, taste their wines. And I can't help it. I have to put the material somewhere because, you know, these are wonderful people. And so, yeah, my process is different depending on which publication I'm actually writing.
1: And do you also occasionally get some publication that sees an article that you wrote for your website and thinks that that actually might work for their publication? So has, does it, has it worked in reverse in that sense?
0: Not that I know of. Not that, I mean, I, I have had a few people, because I am always constantly asking, well, how did you find out about me? And usually it is my website. Thank goodness I'm doing something right there the, where, you know, they would maybe qualify me as a, as a wine writer. Right. And then they would say, yeah, you know, I found you on your website and it looks like you really like to interview um Italian wine producers. So we'd love to have you come and talk to so-and-so. And that may be, you know, like a producer that's visiting Las Vegas. Right. And I try to get every opportunity I can to interview a wine producer from wherever they come from. I want to interview them when they're here. And sometimes it ends up being um, a trip over there. Right.
1: So, yeah. What is your process? I always ask this of writers that are guests on the show. What is your process for interviewing and for writing in this sense? In pictures that I've seen of you where you're writing, there doesn't seem to be a lot of paper, per se. There are books, but not a lot of paper. So do you take notes when you are interviewing a wine producer or are you using a tape recorder or Hmm. Now it's a digital recorder, no more tape. But in other words, are you recording and then transcribing, or are you just taking notes and working off the notes?
0: Ah, it's both. As much as possible, I would like to, whenever I talk to them, interview them, I'm recording them. I ask them if I can record them. They're always happy to be recorded. At the same time, I have a notepad in my hand because I tend to doodle, and I, I put little notes in there. Things that are, I know that are on the tape, but something that is extra, something that I want to maybe go back to and make sure I don't forget, right. I will actually write those down in the in my notebook.
1: And have you thought about adding a video component, given some of the places you travel to, especially in Italy, have you thought about adding a video component so that you have not necessarily the video, the video of the interview you do with the wine producer, but just some shots of the countryside or of the winemaking process.
0: Yes, I definitely would like to incorporate more video. I have a few videos. I did one, uh, a story about Borgaluche last month and included a little bit of a uh, like a 30 second video just to give readers what uh, a view of what the place looks like. If they don't get a chance to read the story, at least they got a chance to go there with me for that 30 seconds. So I would love to be able to do more video. I just have to get somebody to do it for me. I think I know husband.
1: someone who is related to you.
0: Yes, my husband, Craig, and you know, he, and he's certainly more than happy to do them. He does, he's not always on my trips, though.
1: Good point, so, right.
0: Yeah, and so for well, the trips that he's been able to go with me on, yes, he's always got a camera and Some of these videos have turned out to be really great. So hopefully I'd like to do more.
1: Good. Well, before we go and take a break, I want to put a little thing out there that we're going to do something unique. And was it your suggestion, Marissa, as well, which is we're going to do a little wine tasting on the show and uh, we'll give you more details when we return. My guest, award-winning international wine and food writer Marissa Finetti is based in Las Vegas and she writes for Las Vegas Regional and international publications, as well as her own website, marisafinetti.com. And you can follow her on Instagram at Marisa Finetti, Facebook by, at by Marisa Finetti, and Twitter at MarisaFinetti. I think I'm just going to give the, all of the social handles, and they can figure out your name <laughs> there. And it's M-A-R-I-S-A and an F-I-N-E-T-T-I. We'll be right back.
0: We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment.
1: You think you know Vegas? But how much do you really know about this neon city? See the dark side of the bright lights at the Mob Museum where you can explore how a tough little town transformed into a gaming metropolis with a little help from organized crime. You won't find these stories of lawbreakers and law enforcement, mob bosses and prosecutors anywhere else. The Mob Museum in downtown Las Vegas. More information at the mobmuseum.org.
0: Now let's get back to talk about Las Vegas with Ira.
1: Welcome back. I'm talking with award winning international wine and food writer Marissa Finetti. She's based in Las Vegas and she writes for Las Vegas regional and international publications, as well as her own website, marissafinetti.com. And you can follow her on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And Marissa, we're going to do something which came at your suggestion. I thought it was a great idea. And hopefully I don't drink too much so I can actually get through the rest of the show. But we're going to do a wine tasting. And then we're going to talk about your doodling. Great. Why don't you introduce us to what wine we're about to taste?
0: Okay. We're going to taste wine called ruque. It's actually the name of the wine and the name of the grape. This ruque is, well, the full name is Ruque di Castagnoli Moncorato. And it's from a producer named Montalbera, kind of a large producer in the area. And the wine, actually, it comes from northern Italy. It happens to be one of my very favorite wines of all.
1: And not overly oh, expensive, it? too, either.
0: Nope, not expensive at all. And you know what? It's, it's just a fantastic under-the-radar wine from Piedmont. And, and what I love about it, it's, an, it's a red aromatic wine. And this is kind of rare because, you know, mostly aromatic wines are, are white. But this one's got just that beautiful, those beautiful aromas. It's like it's just beguiling and persistent with violets and rose petals and white pepper, and it's also savory at the same time. It just gets you right at the moment you stick your nose in the glass. That's what it does for me. Well, let's Um, pour a
1: little into my glass here, which hopefully they, they can hear that. Now, your advice when you're tasting wine is to pour how much into the glass? I just poured about... I'd say a fourth of the glass, maybe a a fifth of the glass full.
0: Oh, okay. That's fine for for our interview purposes, fine. I'd say probably a little bit more, but uh, definitely not to the top, right? You want to be able to swirl your wine so that you can actually get those aromas. I'm
1: going to pour a little bit more. Okay. There we go. So now what we're going to do, you said, okay, so the step one in the tasting process is to swirl the wine. And what does that do, Marissa?
0: I mean, I love to swirl the wine because it releases the aromatic molecules. The beauty of anything that you eat or drink is to be able to use all your senses. And so visually, it's stunning. You're releasing the molecules so you can actually smell the wine before you actually taste it. Um, some people just go straight to tasting it, which is sad because the aroma is really everything, right?
1: Exactly. Um, and so, of course, I- the
0: flavors, too.
1: But, um, I've yeah. just I've just swirled it. Now I'm smelling it. I'm putting I'm putting my nose in there.
0: Yeah. Very nice. The...
1: Yes, it's and what I like about it particularly is that it is a subtle aroma, if that's the term, in the sense that it it's not overpowering. It's not overwhelming.
0: No, it's not overwhelming, but it's it definitely has something to offer as as compared to other wines that you might have tried, you should get some floral, it's a very, it's delicate, but it's very beautiful. It yes. smells to me very beautiful, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's just, oh, it's just so pretty.
1: So step three would be the actual tasting.
0: Sure, taste it.
1: Mm. Now, normally when you taste wine, and I'm, I'm doing this particularly for people who are not that much into wine, but want to know how to go about this, after you taste the wine, you don't immediately swallow it. You let it stay in your mouth so you can savor again more of the, the aroma of the wine.
0: Absolutely. And then you can also, you know, it begins to unfold layers of complexity, you know, in the taste and the aromas together. You're, you know, there's just so much going on in this wine, I think. In contrast to, like, her shimmering floral facade. You know, this this, this wine, is, you know, she's complex. And yeah, But s-
1: complex, but very subtle in the sense that it's not a harsh, there's no, no harshness to it, which I like. Because usually I, I will stay with white wines because of that, but you're absolutely right. This is a very subtle wine, but, but full. It's Yeah, it's a great selection. And we'll continue drinking as we talk. But I also want to talk a little bit about, well, one thing before the wine doodles, and that is, I noticed in your writing, you make it accessible to people who are just being introduced to wine at a certain level. What I mean by that is you're not overly technical with your wine writing. At least that's my perception.
0: No, on purpose. You know, know, like I had said earlier, the discovery of wine for me really is relied on people who were able to talk to me in a manner that I can understand. And what I aim to do with my writing is to introduce, just like it happened to me, I want readers to be able to read about something, learn about something, and, and let it not to be so complicated. You know, a lot of people think that it, it can be complicated, and you can complicate it. But then it doesn't become fun that way for someone that is just starting out. So I try to keep it very, very simple and approachable. And with the idea that I think this might be my ticket to get them to try something new rather than stick to the same wine all the time. And there's nothing wrong with having like your favorite wine or your favorite grape variety or whatever. But, you know, like you wouldn't go into a candy shop and buy the same candy every time, would you? I mean, it's nice to be (laughs) able to to try something new. Exactly.
1: You need to vary it a little bit. Well, I know that wine has a reputation of being a little snobbish, When I, not wine itself. Let me rephrase that. Wine writers and wine experts and so many others also tend to have that image of being snobbish about the wine product itself. And I think that puts off people from learning about wine and enjoying wine.
0: Yeah, you're right. I, I think they do. I mean, I sure hope I don't come across that way. No, but well,
1: that's why I said that the way you wrote made it accessible yeah. to people who are wanting to learn about wine or enjoying yeah. wine.
0: And, you know, I think that can be put off for some people. I don't think they mean to be that way. I I think that, you know, sommeliers and wine professionals, they know a lot about the wine and they're very passionate about it. And so, yeah, certain things that words and phrases that come out that might be over the head for somebody, certainly that person might take it the wrong way. But in the end, I think that people in the wine industry are fantastic individuals in my book. And Their passion. I share their passion, and hopefully, somebody who goes into a restaurant and comes across a sommelier will will be able to look at them a little bit differently. You know, they're not there to be a snob; they're just there to help help choose a great wine for your meal. Yes, and
1: possibly educate you at the same time.
0: Absolutely, and uh, you know, it's just it's it's a gift, really. It's like something free you get in a restaurant. It's like I'm always waiting for that. Like, it, you don't even have to pay for that, really. Well, okay, you have to pay for the wine and everything. But, you know, the person who comes over and talks to you at the table and tells you a little bit about the wine, or like, for example, this ruke, it was, you know, it was discovered, it was saved from extinction by a priest, by a local priest. It's like, that's cool. I want to hear more about that story. So, you know, these are these individuals, they tell you interesting things and break it down a little bit and hopefully make it more approachable.
1: No, you're absolutely right. Our next wine tasting, of course, will be Thunderbird, which we'll start in just a moment, and uh, or is it Blue Nun? I can't remember what we decided on. But at any rate, uh, tell us, <laughs> tell, <laughs> tell us, <laughs> tell us about your wine doodles because you are famous in certain circles for your wine doodles. How did that start, and and you continue to do it? And you can see samples of Marissa's doodles not only on her website but also on Instagram and all the other social media channels that she has. But how did that start?
0: Mm, Okay. So, yeah, that started just a few years ago, actually. You know, when my older son, uh, my younger son, really liked to draw. And I just really wanted to do an activity with him. And like parallel play, you know, in the kitchen. Like, you draw something, I draw something. And so I asked him, I said, you know, well, I don't know what to draw, though. He He always drew with pencil. And so that's how I started. And pretty much that is what I do. I only use pencil. The, it, it, he's like, why don't you draw, some, just draw something you like? And he's like, draw some wine or something. I'm like, ah, okay. So I started doing that. And I ended up with like these little things that we now call Maurice's Wine Doodles. And once again, it's just a really kind of a fun, whimsical, approachable look into wine. I cover various varieties and give a little bit of uh, basic information and maybe even personalize it a little bit by giving it some characteristics. So I don't know. I just started doing that. And now people are asking me, well, when are you going to do this grape or when are you going to do that wine? And so I'm, I'm really happy that some people like it in certain circles, not everybody, but
1: uh, I. <laughs> as long as you do but, it for yourself, that's the important thing. I think. I love it. Yeah, I think you should put the wine doodles on doilies. So that way you can have them as kind of an extension of the brand, so to speak. I'm just full of ideas uh, today. I think it's because I'm drinking your wine that that's why good. I come up with these things. So, no, that, that's Very funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to ask you a, a cosmic question because it's important and g- given your immersion in the. In the wine industry and in Las Vegas in particular, is do you think, and I mentioned, I alluded to it earlier about how we're the entertainment capital of the world, and certainly with celebrity chefs and all the fine dining we have, we've obviously been shut down for a while with the coronavirus, but when we come back up, how important will wine be to that reestablishment of Las Vegas?
0: Oh gosh, it would be so important. You know, before we shut down, I'd say we were really, really cruising along as far as. Developing a wine culture here, you know, it, it, you know, if you remember back in 2017, one of the major national wine publications actually named our city one of the top wine destinations in the world. And we don't even grow a single grapevine here. And our name was up there with all these other fantastic places from around the world, a wine destination. So I really want it to be that wine destination. I think our culture is gaining traction. We've got a number of sommeliers in this town that far exceed other cities in our country. And I think that it's really the core group of individuals that are driving our culture is right there, those people. And it's definitely a different market here. Las Vegas is, you know, we may be a huge market with millions of people coming in hopefully again very soon, but we're a diverse market. We have people that are, you know, fanny packers that come in to our town. We have people that are high rollers, executives coming in for conventions. And so the wine tastes are varied, but we do have a core group of individuals in this town who are really pushing to create a great wine culture. And I feel that as long as we continue to do that, it it just, it will be a great thing. We're already recognized for fantastic dining off and on the Strip. Um, Off the Strip has gotten so so powerful in the last couple years with some fantastic chefs and so having great wine lists to go with their food would it just makes sense. You know, but even though we've had this pandemic, there are some individuals in our city who've done very well like Galegista, I don't know if you ever had a chance to go to that wine bar downtown there they uh the two guys eric and mario they are sommeliers and they started this wine bar and uh, they've been able to actually get through this pandemic because they are also a merchant and so while a lot of the stores like Lee's and other shops have had to close they were able to stay open and um with curbside delivery Get wine out to people. And they have some really interesting wines. Wines that you're not going to be able to see in a, in a large chain market. So, you know, they've, they've continued to push that, the, uh, the wine and to also to make it accessible for people like me and others who love wine, who love to continue to explore and learn about new ones. And so we, I think we're really moving in the right direction despite this pandemic. You know, we just, we we have to, we'll work on it slowly, but surely.
1: Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been award-winning international wine and food writer, Marisa Finetti. She's based in Las Vegas. She writes for Las Vegas Regional and International Publications as well as her own website, com, And you can follow her on Instagram at Marisa Finetti, Facebook at By Marisa Finetti, and Twitter at Marisa Finetti. And she was nice enough to share some wine with me as well. So, Marisa, thanks so much for being on the show.
0: Thank you so much, Ira. It was such a pleasure.
1: Thank you. See you next time.
0: You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira each week Ivor David Sternberg talks with the celebrities entertainers writers and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world <laughs> <laughs>